for getting past people, you can say guoixia or rangxia, meaning guoixia, like I'm coming through, I'm guo, I'm guoing, <laughs> guoing. <laughs> I love when I like conjugate my Chinese words. Welcome to the Geopats podcast, month of languages via <laughs> na pod po mo. Today, I have Tanya Crossman, author of Misunderstood, a book about TCKs that is pretty much life-changing. I talked to Tanya last year about this, and uh, I'll put that link down in the show notes, as well as all of her contact information. For Tanya today, we had, oh my gosh, it was an hour-long back and forth about the nuances of emotional language in Mandarin Chinese. And these messages are from WeChat, which is like the app of truth in mainland China. <laughs> Tanya's up in Beijing and I'm down in Shanghai. And although we have not met, we've talked quite a bit since I first interviewed her. And we're basically just going to go back and forth and back and forth talking about different aspects of emotional language in Mandarin Chinese. I will put links in the show notes, but I am not transcribing every example that Tanya brings up. Again, I'm posting every day this month, so it's just not time feasible for me to do that. If you have any questions, though, Tanya is very accessible on social media. So do feel free to reach out to her and tell her what you think or ask her any questions about this episode. All right, without further ado, here is the asynchronous WeChat conversation about emotional and nuanced language in Mandarin Chinese that Tanya and I had a few days ago. What emotional language do you feel comfortable sharing? And is there emotional language that you have learned, but that you don't feel comfortable using? And I don't know what the follow-up question to that is, but I have a feeling there might be one. What I can do is take how I feel without language, and instead of translating it into English into Chinese, I can take it straight into Chinese using different words with different semantic overlaps, which means I'm going to say things differently. I'm going to express myself differently. So, for example, I use the word han a lot in Chinese, and it's a word that it implies regret. I feel sorry for this, and it's not a word I would use very often in English. Maybe I would say I'm sorry when I need, not that I have done something wrong, but that I'm sorry you feel that way, or I'm sorry it happened like that. And in that context, I would use han in Chinese. I say, han or like those kind of words. They mean something that I don't say in English. It's difficult for me to speak emotionally in Chinese because I have to think in a different way because the language constrains me in a different direction, mostly because I just don't have the full vocabulary. So I'm constrained by what I do actually know well enough to use, but also because it's used differently and I'm I'm so accustomed to expressing my emotions through English that using a different way of thinking, I can do that in so many ways in Chinese. I don't do it as well as emotional and I think it is lack of practice. I'm just not as comfortable with it as I am with other aspects of Chinese. Hey, so Dwebuchi, I was using that for excuse, kind of excuse me, or I'm sorry, or I need to get by you, or that kind of thing. And somebody told me pretty early on that that meant more of, and I'm sorry if you did something wrong. Also, someone told me say ni hao instead just to get their attention. I'm sure they were giving me stuff graded to my very low level, because I'm sure there's probably a better, more clearer <laughs> way to do all of this. But basically, if you just want to get past someone or... If you need to reach in front of someone, like I just wanted to basically physically go around someone. Like, I don't know. Is this is this true? Is this the 
the context that Dwebichi is is seated in. Yeah, on the the Dwebichi one, that's like perfect example. It's another example I had in my head because again, there's like five different ways that you can say what the English word sorry covers. Yeah, Dwebichi is definitely I did something wrong. Balchian is a stronger way of saying that. You're more likely to get that when there's power imbalance. Like if a shop person or like as something where I'm the consumer, they've done something quite wrong. Like that's that's you know hassled me. They might use Balchian. Or you can say Tinyueliang, which is like to please forgive me, which again would be like you know that's what like the management are going to say to you if like they have to turn the water off or something you know please forgive the inconvenience like for going past people for excuse me well there's the excuse me is in i'd like to ask you a question can i get your attention that's ting wen um that's what's normally taught as excuse me for getting past people you can say guixia or rangxia meaning guixia like i'm coming through i'm guo i'm going <laughs> going <laughs> i love when i like conjugate my Chinese words and rangisha like like to make way and I learned those in my first few months on buses because I was watching what everyone else did and that's what they said when they wanted to get off and when I started saying it it started working and I had non-emotional examples come into my brain from my own life for example with a taxi I could not for the life of me find the right words like when we would arrive see now I'm using the English for that I would never use but when we would get to where I needed to go I would say stop and then I tried just saying me how to get their attention and then I would just point but I it was such a clumsy experience to be like this is it we're here god damn it stop and I couldn't get it and finally one of my coworkers that I interviewed early on Ian he mentioned that the best advice he got when he first got here was to say daula and I'm sure you know this but ever since then there's been no problem except for sometimes when I'm talking to the person in the taxi with me like a friend or something in English and then I switch over and say dalo which I'm sure my tones are wrong anyway but if I say it to the taxi driver sometimes I think they assume that we wouldn't be switching languages for any purpose so learning those words about how to preface something you're going to say actually gives you a lot more variety and specificity and actually also thinking about the way i talk about feelings in terms of how i preface things the one word for th- to think which is xiang but xiang is more the verb to cognitively think about something so you you use it most likely to say xiang yi xiang like i'm thinking uh, let, let me let me think for a second whereas in english we use the word think with a huge semantic range to mean i believe this i think this but i'm not sure i thought this but i was wrong i feel this we use think for feel sometimes and chinese has specific words for all of those so if i say wo zhen wei it means i believe this to be true but i might be wrong <laughs> if i say wo gan jue it means i feel this if i say wo jue de it means this is my opinion if i say wo yi wei it means i believed this but it turns out i was wrong <laughs> like it's it's introducing an erroneous thought using a very limited other vocabulary those patterns allow you to say a lot about what you're talking about 
And so what we're doing is we're taking this word think in English. Okay, think in Chinese is xiang. And then we use xiang the same way we would use think in English. And we use it for all the ways that we would in English, even though that doesn't translate 100% to Chinese. It's the same thing that happens with politeness, which I'm pretty sure I've talked to you about. It's one of my like hobby horses, is that how in English we need please and thank you to be polite. And so we've learned Chinese. We learned that qing means please. And then we just put qing on the front of everything, even though you do not do that as a Chinese person. That's not how they show politeness. And the root of the word please and the root of the word qing are different. So they've got different like implications to them. And it's just it's part of the language learning process. I think that's brilliant because a lot of times, especially for beginning Chinese learners or for people who listen to people that grew up with Mandarin Chinese and then they hear how simple they say English, they get the impression that Chinese is a very basic language. But it's also kind of interesting, the assumptions that we make based on people's language. Yes, so many people think of Chinese as simplistic and it's not. It's just subtle. Like if you think Chinese is a simplistic language that can't articulate complex thoughts is because your command of Chinese is simplistic and can't convey complex thoughts. Whereas a Chinese speaker absolutely can. It's just maybe you can't understand the subtleties. And when I was first studying in China, my reading skills were like at year three, four level. My listening comprehension was at first semester level because I couldn't hear those subtleties. I could pick out all the nouns and verbs, but I couldn't tell the implication. The other thing for me, and this is very English to English, but with with an Asian context, is that how I use maybe has changed considerably and is very different when I'm talking to someone from a Western culture versus when I'm talking to someone from, and I mean mostly Northeast and Southeast Asia when I say Asia in this context, maybe from my first moment in Taiwan until present day China, maybe to me in this part of the world means very unlikely. Whereas maybe when I say it to a Westerner, it means pretty much 50-50, pretty much like it's it's possible, but it's also not possible. So it is very is much more likely, whereas it's almost a no for me in Asia. And that's from picking up on when people said maybe and I still had hopes and I would ask again and then they would keep saying maybe. And I got really frustrated the first few times. And then I just kind of looked at someone. And I said, yeah, that doesn't mean maybe, does it? <laughs> and this is all in English. This is not even translating to uh, the different language. And I don't even actually know the word. Do I know the word for maybe in Chinese? I don't think I do. But considering I'm still struggling with is if dui or duaya actually mean yes or not, there's so many things that I know. Like I can read them. I can say them somewhat. But I just, yeah, tr- direct translations are hard. Yeah. See, this is one of my issues, right? When you do direct translations, we don't mean what we think we mean, right? So the word that would mostly be used for maybe in Chinese is 可能, like 可, like 可以, 能, like to be able to or to be possible. So what it's really saying is there is a possibility. And if in English you said it's possible, that's not as strong as maybe would be in English to me at least. What you can do in Chinese to show that it's a genuine possibility is you can say 很有可能, like you can say 有可能, and you say 很有可能 to emphasize, like there's there really is a possibility, like I mean it, (laughs) as a way of it's not a fully guaranteed thing, but it is actually possible. You can say 很有可能, which I just, but it shows you the mindset, doesn't it? Okay, I think I'm still confusing 
Kanong with Kayi. Because those are both basically can, like different versions of can, right? And so is Hui to some, de- well, one of the Hui's in a tone that I'm not doing right now is also can. There's a lot of cans, which also kind of makes sense with all of the emphasis on the different form of maybe that I knew first in English and now I've been exposed to in Chinese. Yeah, I think that's the trick, right? How do you learn what these words really mean to somebody when there's no clear context for it? You give me a piece of writing and I translate it and I'll understand what's in it, but I wouldn't be confident using those words myself without having had a conversation with a native speaker about them. So when I'm translating my presentations that I do, there's often a conversation. Like often what I do is I'll do a translation. I'll send it to a friend who's a native speaker to proofread. And then we'll have a conversation about something. She's like, this isn't quite right, but I'm not sure exactly how to say what you mean. So let's talk about what you're trying to get across in that English so we can convey the same thing in Chinese. And I think that's that's what happens when you have abstract languages. You need to have conversations. So for example, I talk about integration a lot in my talks in integrating the different pieces of self when you express yourself in different cultures. But translating that word integrate into Chinese is tricky. There's a word that literally means integrate, but it's usually used in like a computing context, (laughs) like in an electronics, like rather than emotional context. And so two different friends of mine translate it differently. One gave me multiple options and said, this one literally means integrate, but I don't think it's the right choice. And then we went through these other ones. Just like this one's like everything being melted together into a pot and this one. And I'm like, well, I want more like putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. Like they're all distinct, but they're connected. And just like, so I think this one would work for that. And another friend wanted to use the technical word integrate to give that meaning. So yeah, abstract language is so subjective. It's very difficult to feel confident. So when I'm translating these presentations, which use a lot of abstract language, it is difficult. It does take conversations. This week I was talking about the word resilience and translating that and having a conversation about the word she used. I hadn't understood it. It actually does have a really good similar meaning to resilience, but a different semantic overlap. It can, it can also be used to mean sort of strength and toughness, which is how I'd understood it, whereas it's also got this emotional impact that I wasn't aware of until I had a conversation with her about it. Yeah, you need to have a conversation about the word before you can use the word. (laughs) Like a dictionary isn't going to help you get it right. The first thing you do is you're mapping words that you know. And you have to go a lot further in before you start understanding that the semantic ranges of the words aren't the same. One of the best demonstrations I had of this was when I was learning Thai. We had a, a unit on cooking. And for that week, one day of class, the head lecturer, who is Thai, came into the class and demonstrated all the verbs in our language module because she said all these verbs for cooking are about Thai cooking and they're actions that don't exist in a Western kitchen. So I have to show you what this verb is. So there was a verb for like pounding in a mortar and pestle and there's this, a specific verb for cutting a green papaya with a knife, like in the particular action. Like So she was demonstrating the verbs and it really helped me break that line of this means this. Every day working in roll through street picking up garbage every day since I've been here with you picking up knowledge hauling trash to the yard taking class at my I can't sleep. You've made a mess of me. 
Take your tea out in the garden. Spill your cup. Now I'm stuck. Cleaning up. Begging your pardon. Your debris. Clear to me. Now my heart is starting to harden. Every drink makes me think of the stink. You've made a mess of me. 